Hello and welcome everyone to the Ducky O'Brien Show. I am your host, Ducky O'Brien. My real name is Sam, but I use Ducky O'Brien for Twitch and other platforms. Welcome to my very first episode on my video game podcast covering news, reviews, and guides. So let's get started. Right now I'm looking for other co-hosts. I asked my buddies, but they're like, nah, so I, it's a one-man show for now. <laughs> but anyways, for our first segment, currently playing. Alright, I have like five games that I'm playing on rotation right now until I beat it, until I get all the achievements. I kind of do this because I really like the games and then when I finish them, I release guide videos on all these videos that I'm doing. And I do playthroughs for some of them as well. The first one is Astroneer. I got like over 400 hours in this game. Uh, recently, they came out with an update where they returned True Flat. So there's True Flat 2.0 in the game now. It works a little bit differently. It's massively hard to get working for me. I was watching a video by Roselli. He manages to get it so quickly and easily. I tried it. It don't work for me. So I got to find a different method. True flat is basically a method of flattening terrain that aligns to the voxel grid so that it's perfectly flat. Not only that, when you kind of bring it out, it snaps into shapes. So you can build structures or walls or whatever, like perfect angles with soil. And it looks really clean. Trying to get that to work if you're not familiar with what Astroneer is. It's a very cutesy, very friendly survival crafting game. It's one of those. I personally find it enjoyable. It's out now for PC, PS4, and Xbox, so you can play it almost anywhere. Alright, my second game that I'm playing is a Tamashev. I've been slowly churning through this game. It's a basically a puzzle game where you're running a factory that's automated that produces food. It's kind of like a very light programming game disguised as a puzzle game. Currently on level C5 Family Time and level 26 Pipe Dream. I beat those. Now I'm going to level 27. It's a doozy. I looked at it and then I quit because it <laughs> looked like a massively hard level. It's a huge level with all these meals and two delivery lines. I'm like, eh, screw it. You don't want to do it. So I quit there. But yeah, I highly recommend this game. It's uh, published by Team 17, so it's the people who did Overcooked, which is also a great game. But yeah, I'm having a lot of fun with it. It's, uh, it's a lot easier and accessible than maybe a Zactronic game, so I definitely recommend people check it out if that's kind of up your alley. Thirdly, we got No Man's Sky. I'm still playing this game. I think I have over 400 hours in this game as well. That's not a lot compared to some people who play obsessively, but... I have two save files now. One is almost maxed out, but I started a new one. I'm recording playthroughs on it. I finished up all the NPC missions. Now I'm on my way to build a stasis device farm. Stasis devices are basically items that you just sell for money. They don't do anything. You just get mega rich. You can hit the money cap, which is like 5 bill or something like that. 5 bill units. Anyways, it's super easy once you get it going. So yeah, I've been playing that game. I, I really enjoy it as well. I don't know how I feel about the new additions for multiplayer. I kind of liked it when it felt lonely, you know. I don't know, there's, there's something about exploring a vast universe and 
being hard to find someone. But anyways, I think they delivered on the game now. Hello Games did a fantastic job updating the game for free over and over again. There's so many features in it now. If you compare it, the game now to what they promised at launch, they exceed those promises. Highly recommend checking it out if you're kind of turned off by all the negative press at vanilla at launch. Uh, it's definitely a better game now. Alright, new games that I've been playing. I don't know if I'm going to add it to my cycle. But speaking of cycle, I've been playing THE cycle. It's a free-to-play PvPVE game. That's a mouthful. Uh, it's on the Epic Game Store, so I don't know if that might turn some people off there, but... I've been playing it recently and I enjoy it. So basically, it's another battle royale, except it's PvE heavy. The focus on PvE is very heavy. It's more akin to Escape from Tarkov, where you go into the world, you complete side quests, you collect items, and then you have to leave alive. However, you can fight with other players and they can definitely track you down and kill you. And you take the loot that you get from the world. And then you use it to craft new weapons and upgrades to those weapons. You basically do things in game, cash, and then you call down your gear. And you unlock those gear pieces by unlocking blueprints, by leveling up factions. You just pick a faction from the menu before the game starts. And then once you level that up, get new blueprints. And then you unlock the blueprints by crafting the items with the materials you get. And you put it on your loadout for your gear shop. But yeah, it's straightforward. I'm making it sound more complicated than it is. You just basically go into the world, collect stuff, and hope you make it out alive. Otherwise, you lose everything. So that's a little bit frustrating when you have a great run. You got everything. You're just completing missions left and right. You're stacked, and then someone just comes out of nowhere and kills you. It usually happens. All right. Uh, yeah, I recommend the game, though. Uh, if you want something like Escape from Tarkov and... It's more accessible. It's free to play, so you can get into it. There is a season pass coming. All the items were cosmetic, so there's no pay-to-win scheme here. Uh, the only problem I have with it is that balancing seems to be a little off in that there's a 1v1 mode, and you can make a pact with one other person, meaning you team up with that guy. You share the things that you find. XP, friendly fire is non-existent, so you won't hurt each other. But the problem is you lose your shield. So you have shields and HP. So the benefit is that you can do things faster and gather resources together. The downside is you both lose shields. You're going to get killed twice as fast. You have to work extremely hard together so that you just take down whoever is shooting at you guys. Problem is there's like this little minigun. Little pistol machine gun that just, just walk up to you and shoot you. And then you die. If there's two guys with two turrets out. And they're both shooting at that same guy. He should not be able to kill a person before he dies. I think that's kind of ridiculous. But yeah. Next game that I tried was the Disintegration Closed Beta. Now, this game is not what I thought it was. So you might have seen trailers. You see a robot guy flying on a hover bike. He used to be human. You know, there's like this sci-fi kind of narrative going on. It's basically an RTS. That's right. It's a first-person RTS. You're controlling your main hero unit who's on a hover cycle. You have two abilities. You got your primary fire, your secondary fire. You got like a machine gun. You can have a sniper class. Your secondary could be a nuke. You know, it's basically junk rat. 
devil man, whatever you want to call it. In addition to that, you're controlling little minions. So you click on the map to order them around. And then you can prioritize which units they attack. Each minion has an ability. You can target those. So it's a RTS light. Uh, I thought it was kind of interesting. Honestly, not my style of game. It felt a little bit slow for my taste. So the multiplayer mode, it was like control points or basically you have the minions pick up payload stuff and deliver them to a central location. Uh, that mode is not fun if your team does not work together because there's a central location where you have to drop off your items. And if they all sit there and they camp it, it's very hard to break through by yourself. You need the whole team there to work together, and if they don't, you're going to lose. So uh, it's kind of like a heavily team-oriented game, so it can be extremely frustrating when you don't have teammates that work together. They just go off and do their own thing. All right, that was Disintegration. That's coming out soon. Now, I downloaded Farming Simulator because it was free on Epic Game Store. I tried that out. Uh, mostly. Got interested because there was a guy named Irek Vet on uh, Twitch that I was watching. He loved to play. He's an actual uh, vet from the Iraq War, but he was playing it. It looked fun. I love doing that kind of stuff. Boring stuff. <laughs> I don't have a lot of time now, but the thing that interested me the most was that there are farming simulator tournaments with like a prize pool of $280,000. This was last year. There are professional farming simulator players. And I need to know, how the heck do you win in Farming Simulator? How does that look like? What does a tournament look like? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. So I'm kind of interested in seeing what a tournament looks like, a professional mentality for a Farming Sim game. Uh, it's the first I heard of it, but I'm kind of interested in that. Uh, if you don't know, I do stuff like production line uh, stuff in Astroneer and No Man's Sky. I'm obviously playing Atomashev because that's just all production lines. You know, I want to check out Factario. But anyways, Farming Sim. All right. Now, I also got into the Frostpunk Last Autumn DLC beta before it came out. I was playing it. It's the first time I played Frostpunk. This game is awesome. It's dope. The great thing, it might be bad for those of you who like it, is that the game is it's pretty short. There's like one scenario uh, for the DLC and it takes about five hours to beat. Uh, it's basically a management sim. So you have a bunch of people that are living around a generator for the original Frostpunk. The world is frozen over. It's basically like the movie Snowpiercer, if you have seen that. And you have to manage people. You know, you have to send them out to gather resources, but if you send them out for too long, they can die and get sick. You have to make decisions like, oh, we don't have enough food. Do we, do we serve broth, which is like a weaker version of food? And it, the effects are funny. You can feed more people using less food, but they're more unhappy. The discontent meter rises. So you get a lot of trade-offs. It gets harder because you get a wave of refugees coming in. So you got options. You can take them in and then you increase your workforce. That's, that's the benefit. That's a trade-off. You got more workers. But the downside is that you need housing. You need food production up. You need all of that up. And you're not going to be able to meet 
all of the demands of that increase in population. So you got to kind of calculate in your head, how do I enable the most people to survive? And that means making hard decisions. And the last autumn DLC for Frostpunk kind of carries that over. And it's kind of neat in that it's set before the events of the original Frostpunk. Uh, It's literally the last autumn. It's still warm. You're building the generator that you see in Frostpunk. So this time there's a lot of new mechanics revolving around building the generator. And as you go dig the shaft and go deeper, it becomes increasingly unsafe for your workers. So people will die. They will die horrible deaths. So it's kind of like balancing the idea of keeping your workers safe and then finishing the generator on schedule. A pretty interesting game. It's all about management. So if you like that, that might float your boat. Alright, finally, the most noteworthy game I've been playing. Temtem. I'm having a lot of fun with this. If you guys don't know what Temtem is, it's basically a Pokemon clone. And if you like Pokemon, it's worth checking out. If you like monster collecting, monster breeding, monster battling, making competitive teams, this game is for you. I think the developers at Crema did an incredible job at making Pokemon streamlined. There's a lot of smart UI decisions where they, I think they basically took a look at Pokemon and they're like, let's make a better version in terms of being accessible to the average person. There's a lot of things where the SVs and TVs are like just straight up there. They're visible to the player. Uh, there's more transparency to the game. Like they show their traits and what they do. And when you breed them, it kind of shows you the possible outcomes for the SVs. And SVs are single values and TVs are trainer values. They're the same thing as EVs and IVs. They borrow heavily from Pokemon. <laughs> You're going to recognize the mechanics right away. They do smart things like. You just go to a training center and you access a terminal. It automatically heals all your Temtem without any dialogue choices, accepting anything, rejecting anything. There's a lot of these smart UI choices where you streamline everything. You can rearrange your Temtem on the bottom of the screen by clicking on them, dragging them. Temtem, don't forget moves. You can just swap them, kind of like Diablo 3, where you can hot swap abilities. That might turn some people off where they're like, this is too casual. I guarantee it's not casual, okay? (laughs) There's a lot of lore to this game as well, which I appreciate. It seems a lot more darker than the world of Pokemon sometimes. Like, they reference wars, Temtem battling and dying. It's all in in the background, though. It's not really in the forefront. The visuals are great. The music is great. It feels great. Yeah, I highly recommend checking this game out. Temtem is awesome. I've been playing that game the most. There are three islands. It's early access, all right? It's coming out for other platforms, including the Switch later, but right now it's out on PC. So MSRP is $34.99, at least on Steam, for early access. And I think it's definitely worth that game. Right now there are three islands. I'm on the last island. I'm trying to go through, beat the game as fast as possible, and then get to breeding a competitive team. I think it's a lot more easier for Temtem in that everything's just there. And another great thing is that there's a Discord server out there and you can trade or buy Temtems very easily. And they're trying to build that feature into the game with an auction house and whatnot. But for now, there's a Discord channel. And since it's an MMO, it's really easy to add people, trade with them. 
and, you know, communicate with players. It might be a little bit harder to do that in Pokemon. Let's be real. <laughs> okay. But yeah, like, so people who love Pokemon, people who are feeling jaded by Pokemon, I think this is a pretty good game. I recommend it. A shout out to my buddy Whoop-dee-doo. He gave me a copy of the game for free. I was just there and he was just talking to me about Temtem because he was hyped for it. And then next thing you know, he's like, here you go, man. Here's the game. So I'm like, heck yeah. I'm trying to catch up to him. He's way ahead of me. He basically has a competitive team up and running. Perfect SVs. Gonna do TV training. But yeah, there's a lot of similarities. Egg moves. Traits are abilities. The neat thing is it's two-on-two battles all the time. So you can have a lot more different combos going. There's like synergy moves. It's always doubles. Yeah, Temtem. Check it out. Temtem up. Alright, and now for upcoming releases, January 28th, we had Warcraft 3 Reforged come out for the PC. Now, Warcraft 3 was one of my favorite games of all time. I still remember I was in high school back then, and one of my buddies was like, you gotta check out Warcraft 3, and I'm like, heck no, I'm a StarCraft guy. Brood War, anywhere out there? So many hours in Brood War. I played fastest. I know, that's kind of lame. I was casual, alright? I played fastest on dial-up. Funny story here. Uh, we had a buddy named Phil, and he was really good. He would beat all of us. We can play him 2v1, and he would beat us. So what we used to do was we would call his house when he was winning, and he would disconnect him from the game. Because it's dial-up. Dial-up uses the phone line. I know landlines are kind of non-existent now, but... You would call his landline number, and you can't have a dial-up connection at the same time, so that would disconnect him. And once you got disconnected, you couldn't rejoin back then, so he would lose, and uh, he would get so upset. But uh, brings back memories. Unfortunately, Warcraft 3 Reforged has some issues. Has a lot of issues, in fact, to the point where Blizzard is offering full refunds. I mean, this is pretty rare in the world of digital gaming now, where you don't usually get full refunds. So some of the problems is that they advertise cutscenes that were customizable and that looked a lot better. Uh, guess what? They're not there. They were removed or not as advertised. There's issues with custom games. It basically forces everyone to upgrade from Classic because when Reforged came out, they disabled Classic. And I think that's a scummy move in in an attempt to get everyone to kind of buy Reforged. So the problems, you know, are kind of plaguing this game. Not only that, it's not much better than the original. There was no reason for Reforged to come out when the original was working just fine because Reforged has nothing new to offer. It's kind of unfortunate for me. I don't know. It's, It's a little sad. I like to think that Blizzard will get their act together. But who knows? Also out on the 28th is Kentucky Route Zero, a TV edition. It came out for the PS4, Xbox One, and Nintendo Switch. Uh, it's an adventure game. We got Pillars of Eternity 2 Deadfire Edition out now for the PS4 and Xbox One. This is basically one of those old school RPGs where you build characters, have stats, have classes. You can think of those classic Dungeons & Dragons games. I played it on the PC, and it's pretty decent. It starts off a little slow. It's not as accessible as, let's say, Dragon Age Origins, which is one of my top games of all time. I think Origins did a great job of 
balancing hardcore gameplay with being immediately accessible having characters and stories that was like extremely likable and appealing from the get-go at least from my opinion uh but yeah if you want more of that kind of stuff hardcore old school rpgs you got pillars of eternity too you got dead fire edition all right man we got a lot of games coming out on the 28th we got journey to the savage planet out now for the ps4 xbox one and pc it's kind of like a survival game, but it's pretty funny. There's a lot of humor in it. Some of it might fall flat. Actually, a lot of it might fall flat. But it's kind of a lighthearted take. You're on this planet. You're gathering resources to kind of get off. You can ha- move around with like a grappling hook. You can scan items like in Metroid Prime. It looked pretty fun. And not only that, it's kind of like a short game. It's like a palate cleanser. It doesn't overstay its welcome. So if you're interested in that, it's out now. Also coming out on the 28th, Thronebreaker, The Witcher Tales, out now for the Nintendo Switch. I, I don't think anyone's high for this game, but if you want more Witcher, now's your chance. Everyone's crazy about The Witcher. I've been trying to find copies of the books on Amazon, and they're all sold out. The 7-book edition is sold out. The 8-book edition is sold out. The 3-book starter set is sold out. They got single books available, but it's kind of expensive. Yeah, it's crazy. Like, I went to the libraries, and there's, like, a hold up to, like, 30 people in queue waiting to check these books out. Like, at every library I went to, it was insane. But yeah, Thronebreaker is not like Witcher 3. So if you're expecting a game like The Witcher 3, it's not like that at all. It's more like an RPG, like classical RPG with card battling. You can play it for a story if you want. Nothing really game-changing. Again, don't expect something like The Witcher 3, okay? <laughs> Out on the 28th is Coffee Talk, a casual adventure game. It looked kind of interesting. I'll look into it. PS4, Xbox One, Nintendo Switch, and PC. Out on the 30th, we got a couple of weird games coming out. We got Ark of Alchemist out for the PS4 and the Nintendo Switch. It's one of those JRPG games. It looked mediocre. Let's put it in here just in case anyone will be interested. And then this is a an oldie but a goldie. Patapon 2 Remastered came out for the PS4. Now I remember... I won a programming challenge against Volition when I was in college. We got first prize, and the gift was $200 on Amazon. That was disgusting. That was huge for a college kid back then. I bought a PSP with that money. Now, I'm not a Sony fanboy. I already had a DS at the time, which is why I bought a PSP. It was really expensive, and I couldn't afford it. But yeah, I bought my PSP, and I loved the heck out of that thing. I play my DS more, if you're wondering, because it had more games, but yeah. One of the games I played on was Patapon, uh, Jean d'Arc. There's a lot of games there. I forgot. Valkyrie Profile. Unfortunately, I sold everything, but yeah. I have no physical games, or I tried to keep my physical collection down. I'm just thinking, like, what if I die someday, you know? It's like, there's a lot of junk then. Who's going to take care of that? Anyways, out on February 4th, Got Zombie Army 4, Dead War for the PS4, Xbox One, and PC. This game looks pretty okay. If you want to mindlessly kill zombies, this is the game for you. And then that was Zombie Army 4, Dead War. The 7th Sector coming out on February 5th. 
It's basically a cyberpunk puzzle game, side-scrolling, and it looked decent too. It's kind of funny, because of all the hype for cyberpunk 2077, you're seeing a lot of cyberpunk-themed games come out. Uh, it's very interesting, the impact this game is having before it even comes out. I don't know, I think it's crazy. There's a lot of people hyped for Cyberpunk who are kind of hoping that it's like the second coming of, of gaming to them, you know? Like they're hoping that it's going to be life-changing. I just told them to, hey, keep your expectations a little bit tempered, all right, guys? <laughs> I'm sure it's going to be pretty good, but, you know, not mind-blowing like they're expecting it to be. All right, February 6th, we got Code Realize Guardians of the Rebirth. Another standard Japanese type of game. I think there's a, there might be a lot of fans for this type of stuff. It's a visual novel. Yeah, I don't know. Might like it or not. You know, I kind of was tempted to play Steinsky. I like the anime. I was like, why? Well, you should probably check out the game. The visual novel. But I didn't. On February 11th, the Yakuza Remastered Collection coming out for PS4. That contains Yakuza 3, 4, and 5 Remastered. If you're a fan of the series, this should be a good buy, I guess. I'm not sure. Alright, on February 20th, we got Devil May Cry 3 Special Edition coming out for the Nintendo Switch. I just put that in there in case Switch owners wanted some games to play. Devil May Cry 3 is, is not bad. You should check it out. And then on February 28th, we got Metro Redux coming out again for the Nintendo Switch. That's a pretty solid game as well. Alright, looks like a slow month for February. I will update the release list as we get to the next episode. Now on to news. So this is one thing that I wanted to talk about uh, as a content creator. I'm kind of interested in the impact that this is going to have on the future of content creation. I'm talking about Overwatch and Call of Duty moving exclusively to YouTube as their streaming platform. Now I know most people don't care if you're not into watching people stream, or if you're not into Overwatch or Call of Duty or competitive gaming. But this is a big deal in that there's a lot of people who are invested and streaming as a career or as a forms of entertainment and for something as big as Overwatch to move to YouTube is a big deal. Apparently Twitch paid Blizzard 90 mil, that's right, 90 million dollars for a two-year contract for exclusivity and now they're moving to YouTube which means that YouTube paid Blizzard more than 90 mil. We can at least assume that so, I don't know. I, I don't think that's worth it. Let's, we can do the math because that's 45 mil for each year that Overwatch League was on Twitch. And I don't think it generated 45 mil worth of income considering Twitch was the largest platform to begin with. Like a disgusting amount of people who consume streamed content watch it on Twitch. It has the lion's share. It's humongous. I would say around 90%. I don't know the exact numbers. This is really interesting in that Overwatch League draws in most of the viewers for Overwatch. Not only that, for Twitch. It's like the third watch, most channel when it's active. That's pretty big. That's a big deal. For them to move to YouTube is big in that a lot of those people who watch Overwatch League are going to have to start watching it on YouTube. 
they might grumble at first, but they don't have a choice. So those people who watch streamed content moving over to YouTube means they're more likely to check out some other streamers on YouTube as well if Google plays their cards right. Now, it's been proven that the short-term effects aren't that great. Uh, there's a Game 3 video on this as well when Ninja, I don't know if you guys remember this, when Ninja moved over to Mixer. Now, Mixer is a really small <laughs> platform. It's a streaming platform owned by Microsoft. If you try it out, it's honestly not bad. The mechanical things behind you streaming content, there's a lot of awesome things they're doing, specifically related to co-streaming. When you co-stream with someone, it's automatic. Each of your streams are in one window. You share the same viewership pool. You share the same chat. And then when you leave the co-stream, it splits into their individual channels. So I think it's awesome. But yeah, like Twitch, I don't know what's going on with them, but they better step up their game. If they don't, they're going to start losing a lot of their content creator base and their viewer base. I'm kind of interested in seeing what the effects are, whether or not it's going to really impact Twitch. Even if it doesn't, we're seeing this crazy game of these platforms buying up content creators. It's insane. Shroud moved to Mixer. There's a lot of people who moved to Mixer. Disguised Toast went to Facebook. I'm like, what? Who watches Facebook Live? I didn't even think that was a competitor, you know? It's crazy. There's a lot of people moving everywhere. These large platforms spending a lot of money to buy these content creators for at least a couple of years. And it's interesting. This, this arms race, basically, for content creators. It's kind of shaking the content creation world. I think it's a good thing in that these platforms need to realize content creators have value. They just need to realize that every content creator has value. Uh, There's a lot of issues where they're basically milking the lower end, the small content creators as a free source of traffic without really wanting to pay them or support them. I don't know. It's rough. It's a very rough life. You put in a lot of hours. They don't really do anything because they don't really care about you. As long as their big, big players are doing fine, they don't really care about you at all as a small-time content creator. If you're not making them money, it doesn't matter if you get banned or not or if you go to a different platform or not. But yeah, this is kind of interesting. Personally, I find it very interesting. I want to see the impact it has. Overwatch League is going to start streaming soon. kind of want to see what kind of numbers they pull in. I want to see how it impacts the Overwatch category on Twitch. If the people watching Overwatch on Twitch move to YouTube, that'd be kind of interesting. Now might be the time to start streaming Overwatch on YouTube. All right. Not only that, finally, Overwatch might test hero bands and pools for competitive. I think this is the wrong move, and here's, here's why. Uh, if you guys play Overwatch, they implemented a 2-2-2 roll queue system, which is not the right solution because if someone leaves or you need someone need to switch roles, you can't. You're stuck in that role, even for a full six stack, which doesn't make sense to me. Should be flexible roles right there. The reason why it's not the move is that you decrease the amount of strategies available in the game by forcing a 2-2-2. And you're not going to change the meta. So if people were wondering, Overwatch was trying to break GOATS. GOATS is three tanks and three support players. 
you know, you see like Ryan Zarya, Diva with like Brigitte, Lucio, and whatnot. And it, it was like that the entire time. Every team played GOATs. If you didn't play GOATs, you were likely to lose. There are counters to GOATs. It's just more skill to pull off those counters. Like triple DPS was a experimental counter. It kind of worked. The amount of skill needed for that was incredible though because uh, triple DPS is extremely squishy. Even quad DPS are testing it out. You need the Dota 2 mentality of balancing games. Basically, you want to buff everything so that everything's viable. That's right. You're going to have some crazy periods where everything's like overpowered. That's, that's the best solution. It took a while for Dota, but they're in a really good spot where, you know, you don't see a stagnant meta where if you don't play this, you will lose. There's different metas you can play. They're equally viable. Uh, the strategies are, there's, there's a lot of strategies. The answer to Overwatch was to introduce more heroes with different abilities and encourages different play styles. By limiting what you can do, you're actually restricting the possible changes to the meta. You have 2-2-2, so you gotta stick to 2-2-2. What happened? You got double shield, and it was the lamest thing ever. But for GOATs, there were different flowcharts to how you react to the enemy team. There's more variables, there's more freedom, but for double shield, it was literally Orisa, Sigma, and then you got Reaper, Doomfist. The Reaper would try to go in, flank in. If it failed, he would just wraith out. Doomfist would go in after the Rissa, the pull, try to get an insta pick. If it doesn't, he would come back and it would just rotate back and forth. Same thing back and forth. So 2 2 2 didn't really fix anything. Sure, it got rid of goats, but it brought in double shield, which was way more boring to watch and way more static. In my opinion, and I think the numbers prove this as well, the 2 2 2 was a huge failure. Now they're trying to ban heroes. And that's kind of dumb because what's going to happen instead of having one meta, you're just going to have a different meta. Why? Because they're just going to ban the strongest heroes. They need to make sure that every hero is viable and then bring in a ban or a pool. You just have to make sure that everything's viable. Like look at Mercy. She got nerfed to heck. I used to be a Mercy main. I'm a support player. And now she's like untenable. I play Moira. I play literally anyone other than Mercy. It's like, come on, guys. Come on. Just buff the characters that are not viable. Add new characters in. Do that and the game will sort itself out. Don't restrict the, the player base to a certain meta that you want. It's dumb. You're, you're not going to be able to pull it off. All right, that's my little rant there. Not moving on. There's no new Switch for 2020 as rumored. There are rumors of like a... New upgraded Switch with you know, with slightly better screens, increased battery life. Nintendo denied that, so it looks like it's not happening. No new Switch for 2020. Now this is a little bit exciting. We hear that Wizards of the Coast is teaming up with ex-Bioware employees for a sci-fi RPG. Now what I'm hoping for is basically a Mass Effect that's good. <laughs> so we might see something like that if uh, Wizards of the Coast doesn't mess this up. I'm a little sad because Bioware used to be my favorite developers of all time. Mass Effect 1 was amazing. Mass Effect 2 was a little bit more accessible. I kind of don't like how they streamlined the RPG elements. But the story and characters were amazing. And Dragon Age Origins. Oh my god, that game is fantastic. If you haven't played it and you are a fan of old school RPGs in the style of Dungeons and Dragons, that is 
the game to play. It's beautiful. It's awesome. It's, it's so much charm to it. Not only that, it's quite difficult if you're playing on harder difficulties. All these games coming out from Bioware. You know, Knights of the Old Republic. Man, that was, that was an amazing game too. Blew my mind when I was a teenager. I'm like, holy cow, this is, this is awesome. But now they're dead. Yeah, it just doesn't compare with the earlier games. Now, here's another interesting news item. We got Fire Emblem Heroes adding a monthly subscription. So this is a mobile game released by Nintendo. It's a gacha game in that you basically have these random heroes and then you can grind currency to have a better chance of unlocking these rare heroes. They're collecting heroes. And personally, I'm not a fan of these games because this is the laziest way to make money. What they do is they introduce new heroes. And that's not hard to do in this type of game. And they're banking on the whales, quote-unquote whales, to spend thousands of dollars trying to get the best heroes. And that works for a short term, but after a while, they lose interest and move on to a new gacha. And what happens then? Their income drops. So now what they're trying to do is add a monthly subscription fee where you get guaranteed heroes and whatnot so that the more casual players will start to put money into the game. I got an idea for you, Nintendo. Why don't you just make a great game? You're rooting, you're selling the name of Fire Emblem with this kind of marketing tactic. Uh, Again, I really hate these kind of schemes where they're relying on your weakness, your desire for instant gratification, or something meaningless that you will throw money at Nintendo or any developer who makes games like this. And I find it distasteful. You know, I imagine if I were making a game, I would love to make a game that's popular and makes a lot of money, of course. But I also want it to be a game that I could be proud of and that people enjoy playing and will remember for a long time instead of trying to get people to throw money at you through something cheap like loot boxes. And this is why this is a problem. Companies have to stop relying on these tactics because the government will step in and try to regulate it. And when that happens, the government's going to mess it up because they're out of touch with how things work. (laughs) They're out of touch with video game players, with developers. You don't want that to happen. So stop with this tomfoolery before it's too late. It happened with loot boxes. So, uh, you know, loot boxes were considered gambling. They outlawed it. I'm okay with companies charging for cosmetics or DLC because, you know, making games, it's really expensive. And to continue developing a game or maintaining it, they have costs associated with it. So unlike a lot of people who might complain about DLC, I understand. It's a business. You got to keep people hired, provide them with a job and a stable income. And paid DLC is the way to go. Don't use loot boxes. Personally, I don't have a problem with it because I don't spend money on on games anymore if they have that. I used to be the guy. I spent like $400 on Dota 2 items. And then I realized how much of a waste of money it was. And I sold everything. I only got like 100 back. (laughs) And and now I know better. But I can easily see how someone who doesn't have that same amount of self-control can end up spending, you know, thousands of dollars. Moving on, we got Apex Legends Season 4 coming in. We got a new hero named Revenant being added. He looks kind of dope. <laughs> I, like, 
how his abilities might be considered unnatural. It reminds me of the prequel memes about the Sith. Or like the Sith might have some abilities some might consider unnatural. Can one learn this power? But yeah, it's kind of funny. They pulled a trickaroo on all the people watching. Uh, they introduced the fake hero who looked like Doomfist. And then in a video, Revna came out and straight up murdered him. And he's like, look at me. I am the hero now. So Revenant's coming out. Here's an awesome piece of news. Wonderful 101 Remastered cleared its Kickstarter goal in like a matter of days. And it's going to come out. I think Platinum Games makes like some of the best games in the world. And Wonderful 101 was on the Wii U. And I hope more people get to play it now. It's a pretty cool, pretty quirky game. Wonderful 101 Remastered. That's great news because that means other, other games can come out and be remastered as well. They got GeForce Now is live for all users. GeForce Now is a streaming service. It's pretty similar to Stadia, except that you buy the games on, let's say, Steam or whatnot. You own them. The only difference is that you can stream them now. There's a free trial version where you can play for one hour at a time. You might have to wait in queue. But yeah, basically... The concept is you buy the games to own, and if the service goes down, you still own them on Steam. Whereas on these other streaming platforms, you buy it on that platform, and if that platform goes under, you lose all the games. Or it might be a subscription-based service where you pay a subscription, and then once that subscription is over, you lose access. GeForce Now is basically you own the game, but you can stream it wherever you want. There are different payment plans. You got the free one where you can play one hour at a time. So if you want to try it out, you can do it. And then there's like a $5 a month plan where you can play up to six hours at a time. Now this is kind of interesting. Uh, I don't like where this is going. I don't like the fact that streaming is becoming popular. And here's, here's why. Uh, modding and custom game modes keep games alive. For a long time, you can modify a game to look better, to feel better, to play a lot better. You can add custom quests, all of that. Not only that, you own the game, but nowadays it's kind of veering more towards the corporations, the platforms holding the game, and they can easily cut off access to those games. Like, let's say for Steam, if Steam goes under, you lose access to all of your games, you can't play them anymore. Now, the possibility of this happening seems to be very low, but you never know. All those things that you acquired on Steam achievements, all of that is gone. Now, if you have a console, it used to be better in that you bought a physical copy of the game. You can play it as long as the game itself and the console are unharmed. But nowadays, that's not even true. You buy the game, you have to install it. There's updates, there's patches, you have to be online, you have to be on the service. And without that, you won't be able to play the game. So kind of interesting to see where the future is headed. It seems to be focusing on streaming games and charging a subscription fee. And also VR seems to be a heavy focus on that. I'm not liking where it's heading. I believe ownership should start and end with the player. They should have the right to own something. They decide when they want to play it or not. I don't like it if a platform or a corporation can cut off access to a product that you paid for. It hasn't been like this for a long time, so I understand. I've embraced it. 
I'm just reminiscing about the the older times when we actually owned our games. Well, yeah, what can you do? It's interesting to note because people who are born later are already used to having everything being digital and on the cloud and having their service cut off. So they don't have anything to compare it to. And I think we're kind of running into the situation where losing access to games that you pay for is a real possibility. Like what happens if you're wrongfully accused of hacking on a streaming platform and they cut you off and you lose access to all of your games, all of your stats, all of your save files, all of your achievements. All right, our final news item. Dan Hauser, the co-founder of Rockstar, is leaving. Officially leaving on March 11th. Now, this is kind of big news because the Hauser bros have been involved heavily in Rockstar. Like Dan Hauser had a hand in writing for Red Dead Redemption 2. So these people who are heavily involved in shaping Rockstar, one of them is leaving. His brother is still staying behind as CEO. But yeah, this is kind of interesting to see where Rockstar, what direction they will take with one of their co-founders leaving. I don't know. There's been a lot of rumors of poor working conditions under the Hauser brothers where they made people basically do crunch hours. And that if they wouldn't do crunch hours or work a certain amount of hours, that their name is going to appear on the credits. And that's important for people in the game industry because if you're on the credit, that's the proof that you worked on the game. And that's useful when you're trying to get new jobs because the turnaround is so severe in certain companies and certain positions. And yeah, I don't know. I don't know if it's related to that. I don't know what, why. There's no news out right now that I've seen as to why he's leaving. But it'll be interesting to see the future of Rockstar now that one of their co-founders is officially leaving. I don't know how how to feel about this. Anyways, that completes it. This has been the first episode of the Ducky O'Brien Show. Uh, I have to submit this podcast to Google and iTunes, so I might come out late on those platforms. But on everything else, it should be out on February 5th. Yeah, thank you so much for listening. I really do appreciate it. I know this first episode was a little bit rough, but I'm doing my best here. I'll get better with practice. Thank you for sticking through with me. If you have any questions, comments, or things you'd like to see, please feel free to send me an email at thepointyhackcast at gmail.com. Pointyhackcast at gmail.com. Please be sure to put Ducky O'Brien in the subject so that I can reply to you on a proper podcast. I have a lot of podcasts now. I have four. And Pony Hatcast is kind of like my umbrella branding for all of my podcasts. Just easier to use one email because I am not going to create a separate email for each of these podcasts, open them up, and then reply individually. <laughs> it's just easier to have one, one email and then I can, uh, I can sort through them with subjects. If, if I ever get bigger... I might do that, but uh, so far no one has sent. I wait. I, I take that back. One person has sent me an email, so there you have it. <laughs> For now, it's just better to have have uh, just one email. Anyways, thank you once again for dropping by. I really do appreciate it. And as always, catch you guys next time. <laughs>